Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But the other said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. I'm not very good at RSVPs. If, if you've sent me invitations, you know that. Uh, An RSVP means respond, please. It, it's from the French. Um, Respondez, s'il vous plaît. RSVP. And Merriam-Webster says it came into English usage, that abbreviation, in 1953. I didn't know that. But I'm not very good at RSVPs because an RSVP requires me to make a decision based on on the future. It means that I have to be committed. A yes means that when the wedding day rolls around, I'll be there. A yes means I'll be there even if something else has come up. A yes means I'll be there even if it's an inconvenience to be there. A yes means I'll be there even, even if something better is happening. Yes means I'm making a promise. And that single word yes means the trajectory of my life is forever changed, at least in a small way. You see where I'm going with this, I know. Jesus is asking us to follow. And you all are disciples. You've been disciples for a long, long time. Maybe you can't remember a time when you weren't. And yet you're being asked every day, are you going to follow me? Are you going to follow me? My answer on most days is yes, but on some days is no. And some other days, I'm not sure. It's a question. This discipleship question is not a once and for all question. Oh, I guess it is. 
But it's also a daily question. And Jesus is asking us to follow today, sort of an RSVP, if you will, uh, today and tomorrow and the next day. As Jesus invites them to follow, he wants them to follow, he wants them to know that costs are involved, and he wants them to measure that. Um, Don't say yes thoughtlessly. If our lives are going to conform to this rabbi, then one would expect that we would follow this rabbi, that we would do the sorts of things and go the sorts of places this rabbi calls us to go and, and this example this rabbi calls us to be. And Jesus is saying, think about it. Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And if we say yes, we might end up in a hot, humid night in a hammock in a Honduran village, working with a dentist without borders, pulling rotten teeth during the day and into the night. If we say yes, we might find ourselves outside of our comfort zone. If we say yes, we might find ourselves in a place we never imagined being or really don't want to be. Jesus wants us to say yes, but he's asking us, I think, in this text, are you sure? Jesus is talking, of course, about the cost of discipleship. I'll follow you, one of these people says in this little brief list of of parables, these wisdom sayings almost. I'll follow you, but first let me go back home and bury my father. To which Jesus famously says, well, let the dead bury their own dead. It seems like a, a cruel response. What he's asking this person to do, though, is not cut one's familial ties, but just to be aware that now your family's bigger than it used to be. Okay, so we go to family funerals and family weddings and we do family things, but our family is bigger than that. The invitation has has grown exponentially. Family is something more than your father and your mother, your brother and your sister. Jesus was asked once, Sir, Jesus, Pete, your family's here. They want to see you. And he says, don't have time right this minute. And, And who is my family but every person who does my Father's will in heaven. This is the family Jesus is inviting us to. So let the dead bury their own dead, but you're part of a bigger family now. Are you sure you're up for it? When I was just a new pastor, I would take my guitar, which was really untunable, and then I would play it, which also was untunable in its own way, and I'd gather the kids after school And we would sing, we are the family of God. Yes, we are the family of God. And he's brought us together to be one in him that we will bring light to the world. And I would play loudly and those kids would sing and their faces would get red. And we would sweat and smile and and, um, have a little Bible story. What they really wanted was Brenda Love's cheese sandwiches afterwards. But we are the family of God. Jesus is reminding his followers, your family's bigger now. That's a good thing. Are you sure you want to be cousins with all these people? I will follow you, somebody says eagerly. Just let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Again, Jesus uh, pulls uh, an example that people would follow, would understand 
it takes me some figuring out. But he says, any farmer worth his salt is not going to plow a straight line if he looks backwards. And I have to think about that because I'm not sure how plows work. But sure enough, so, so look forward. Being a disciple means that we honor our tradition and our history, of course, and we know, we know that history, yes. But, but a disciple looks forward, is forward thinking with hope. And following Jesus is going to mean disrupting some old patterns, some patterns that we like a lot. Uh, when it's raining and it's Sunday and CBS this morning is getting ready to start, and the coffee's on. Do I want to follow Jesus or do I want to follow Jane Pauley? <laughs> Jane wins sometimes. <laughs> so patterns are going to be disrupted. I'm going to be disrupted. My life is not fully my own anymore. That's a good thing, but it's also a little terrifying, right? Church membership and discipleship are not the same thing, of course. But when we become disciples, we, we connect with the larger community like Jesus had disciples and there are followers and all the women who followed in the crowds. We're part of that crowd now. And so to be a disciple means to connect with the community of faith. And to connect means that I'm going to pray with you and for you. My heart will break when your heart breaks. I will weep when you weep. I'll rejoice when you rejoice. And I'm going to show up with you. I'm going to show up to worship and to praise and to study and to doubt and to sing and to ask questions. I'm going to be part of a community. My spending and my living patterns are going to change. You're going to keep hitting me up for money for one good cause after another, and I'm going to want to support it because together we, we make a, a difference. And our church, mixed with churches everywhere, we make a bigger difference. And the world needs to see a difference being made. And darn it, I want to be part of that. And you do too. But sometimes it's inconvenient. Yes, I want to follow, but maybe not today. Plowing in the kingdom of God means eventually having to grab hold of the plow and set your face ahead and, and start making a difference, working, being part of that joyful community that's that's planting something, this meaningful, hard, joyful work. In Jesus here, we see a man who's focused on his goals. And it was clear in the transfiguration just a few chapters ago, but it's really clear now. He sets his face to Jerusalem. And to get there, he goes where? Through a Samaritan territory. Um, and here we see Luke very subtly telling us that Jesus is here for the whole wide world, not just for the Jews, but for the Samaritans. Uh, Augustine said, preach often. If necessary, use words. Jesus is preaching. He's saying a lot without saying a word by going through Samaria, by going through Samaria. So what happens is they, um, they refuse him. And the reason they refuse him a respite in the wilderness is be precisely because he's a Jew going to Jerusalem. They don't want to support that trip because the Jews and the Samaritans are so separated. They're so at each other's necks. So the Samaritans aren't going to support Jesus in this endeavor. His disciples do an interesting thing. 
By the way, here Jesus is not going to be staying at the best hotel now. He, he's not receiving any hospitality. It's likely during this long journey through this region, he will have, as the foxes do have, he won't have a hole, and as the birds of the air have their nest, he won't have a nest to lie his head. And, and he's asking sort of subtly, do you still want to follow me? But the disciples' response is so marvelous as he's not received. What do the disciples say? Lord, can we annihilate them? Do you want us to call on heaven so that fire comes down and consumes them? Yes. The disciples are so cool. They're asking what we all want to know. If you don't vote like me, I'm going to try to convince you otherwise very gently. But then after that, I'm just going to cut you off. I'm not going to care about you at all anymore. You're not human to me. You're dead to me. We do this all the time. We do this all the time. The Supreme Court voted uh, down, I guess, Roe versus Wade, and many of us are disappointed in that. And, and we'd like to, uh, many of us would like to fire or send to Sweden the justices who voted for this. We're family. Jesus says we're family. We're connected. We have to stay connected. But the disciples said, can we cause fire to rain down on them? There's a whole sermon there. We often want to marshal our resources to pull together a punitive miracle. Isn't that wonderful? We have this power. Let's use it for ill. Jesus, you note, has nothing to do with that. The disciples then and now don't fully understand what Jesus is about. He has come not to condemn the world, but to heal the world. That's that word, so-so, save, heal, same word. He's come not to condemn the world, but to heal it. He's come not just to love a few and hate others, but he's come to love everybody. No, I don't want you to cause fire to come down from heaven to smite these people. Of course not. Luke also wants us to notice here in this gospel, as now we're making our way decidedly to Jerusalem, that Jesus doesn't have time to dwell with this predictable setback. He's making his statement and he's paying his price. He won't have a place to sleep tonight. He's plowing straight ahead. His face is set to Jerusalem. He's not plowing a crooked row by looking backwards. Ain't it awful? I shoulda, coulda. No, he's looking ahead. His journey has a purpose. And we get the sense here as this chapter heats up and now as his journey has more definition, the heat is rising in Luke's gospel. There's an urgency. There's a, uh, we're picking up pace here. We get the sense that, that he's on a deadline. And that's another aspect of this text, this urgency. Jesus invites these would-be disciples to follow him. Not tomorrow or next week. I mean, maybe that too, but today, now. If they say yes, but if they show up late... They're going to miss the boat. They're going to miss the bus. If they say yes to the Saturday wedding but show up on Monday, they will have missed all of the fun. Sure, there are going to be other weddings. And yeah, there's other buses. You can become a disciple tomorrow or the next day. 
I don't get the impression in this text that Jesus is saying, you'll be a disciple today or never. No, it's just I'm asking you now. You have an opportunity to say yes now. Some of us come, came to that conclusion slowly. It took a while. Others had to work on us for a long time before we got there, before we were finally ready to say yes. So yeah, there's going to be a Monday and a Tuesday. You can say yes the next day or the next or the next or the next. But why miss a single day? Like you, I wonder, why would anybody want to miss a single day? I, I might not be ready. This timing might not be convenient. Um, I don't feel fully capable. I'm not sure I'm even fully willing. But yes. Okay. All right, Jesus, you and your plow going through Samaritan villages? Sure. Yes. We are the family of God. Yes, we are the family of God. And God's brought us together to be one in Him that we might bring light to the world. Yes. Yes. All of this is food for thought on a sleepy Sunday morning when Jesus asks us again, follow me. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.